Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network on 700 WLW. Welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League with Jim Day. I am Tommy Thraw. Jim Day coming to us live from the sunshine of Arizona. He is out in Goodyear right now watching the Reds early minor league camp and the workouts out there. How's it looking out there, Jimmy? It's looking great. I love to see, uh, you know, I love hungry young players with a lot of talent and uh, certainly a lot of that going ar- around here in early minor league camp. They just uh, kicked off this past week. In fact, the position players didn't report to a couple of days ago, so it was just pitchers and catchers up to that point. But uh, kind of easing into action a little bit uh, to prevent some injury. It's been a weird last couple of years, as we all know, but uh, it is really good just to hear the sounds of baseball. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll get more of a report on that from you in just a moment. But uh, as we've been doing uh, here during the lockout, trying to give you some updates on what's happening. And, uh, Jim, we were talking before we came on the air that they're meeting every day this week, the Major League Baseball uh, representing the owners and then the, the players' union as well. They are down in Florida meeting daily, and they've had some lengthy discussions over the last couple of days. At last check, uh, reports were that they were still meeting even today. Now, there has been a proposal put out there. Um, Evan Drellich has reported it that uh, they've they've kind of upped the minimum salary per year uh, which is a, a step toward what the players are asking for. It seems like, Jim, right now where we're at, we're just seeing little incremental adjustments, but the gap, even though still very wide, seems to be shrinking just a little bit day by day. Well, in most of these negotiations, it doesn't matter if it's baseball or anything else when two sides are uh, in a labor dispute. Uh, they know what the deadline is, and they, they've said it pretty much for Monday the 28th to be ready for the season. So we're at midweek. Um, there's going to be some baby steps along the way. At some point, there's going to have to be some bigger concessions because they are farther apart than you would hope right now, uh, at least from the reports. We're not on the inside. Folks, we have no inside information. No. We're, we're looking at it on the outside, looking in as you are. Um, but, you know, hopefully once they get towards the weekend, uh, there'll be some concessions on both sides because they're going to have to to get there. And it sounds like that these meetings will continue. The, the plan is right now through the week. And with the deadline that you were talking about, February 28th, that's Monday. I would imagine that they will continue their meetings all the way through Monday. And uh, the reports are 
and, and Mark Feinsand. You can see all of his reports at MLB.com slash update that, you know, the base, Major League Baseball and the commissioner said that the 28th is kind of the deadline. Uh, that might be a, a soft deadline to meet opening day. Um, I've heard him talk on MLB Network that they were saying if it happens a couple of days, a day or two after that, probably still going to be able to start the season on time. So with that, if Monday comes and goes, the agreement still isn't in place. Don't hit the panic button just yet. Um, but hopefully there will be a deal by then. And, and I think the most encouraging thing that has come out of the reports from Florida with the two sides meeting, it sounds like they're much more cordial meetings. And, and, and it just seems like there's actual negotiating taking place. And that, to me, is is a large step because you have to have uh you have to have good negotiations in order to get a deal done. It sounds like uh, they're, they're moving at least in that direction. Well, it's too much at stake to not. I mean, there's there's a lot at stake, and there's enough to go around, if you will. So, you know, hopefully cooler heads will prevail. So far it has, and we'll just wait and see. But you can't go too much farther than Monday just for the pitcher's sake or unless they expand some rosters, maybe add some pitchers for the first month of the season, et cetera. I'm sure those things could possibly happen, but uh, I would earmark, I would shoot for Monday if I were them. No doubt. And uh, it sounds like they are. So we'll see how it all goes over the next week. Uh, well, actually a little bit less than a week. We will uh, hopefully know more after Monday. This is the Reds Hot Stove League. It's always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And Jim Day, as I mentioned, is out in Arizona right now. You've had a chance to get some eyes on some of these guys that are out there. Uh, early invites to spring training. Some of these are minor league guys that have reported early. Some are non-roster invitees that will have a chance to make the club uh, once spring training does gear up uh are there some guys speaking of the 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 invites uh the the major league spring training invites that are out there some are some guys and i know it's way early right now I, you got out there just over a week ago uh, position players have just reported recently uh but are there some guys that that you look at and, and kind of think wow this this is a guy maybe worth keeping an eye on once spring training gets going that passed the eye test early on you're talking about the non-roster invitees right, yeah. that mm -hmm. perhaps could make the big league club. Uh, you, you would start behind the plate. Andrew Knapp has some service time in, in the big leagues. He's a catcher. Uh, the Reds need a backup catcher at the major league level. And unless they have, once this, you know, the CBA is agreed upon and they can sign some more players, um, right now Andrew Knapp would probably be your backup catcher at the big league level. So he has experience, been there, done that, and, just seeing him work with some of the younger pitchers here in camp, you can tell that he's a veteran. So there, there's a name that you would keep your eye on. Joel Kunal, we know his story in the past. has uh, been with the Reds on the big league club. Big righty out of the bullpen. Had some shoulder issues. Missed most of last season until like September. I believe he pitched maybe in three games in September. He's healthy and looks good. He would certainly have a shot at, the, at that Reds bullpen because he does – have that experience and uh, there's some other guys with major league service time trey wingenter jake bowers ramos garcia guys like that ben lively another guy uh, to keep your eye on and since that he's on philip deal a yeah. lefty who uh the reds are in need of left-handers uh it, whether it be starting pitching or in the bullpen. So those would be some names to keep your eyes on. Yeah, Ben Lively is certainly kind of an interesting guy. He was a uh, high draft pick, drafted originally by the Reds, um, was developed in the Reds' farm system, has been in the big leagues with a couple of different teams, and uh, you kind of feel like he this might be a last-chance type of situation 
for Ben Lively. Uh, have you had a chance to see him throw it all? I have. I've had a chance to see him all through. Now, they have not played any games yet, so we're talking about bullpen sessions. So, you know, a lot of guys look really good at bullpen sessions. There's no hitter standing in there. There's no umpire standing there. Um, you look so good in a bullpen session. I, I, I would look good yeah. right now, yeah, uh, especially underhand. But <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard to tell, you know, but, you know, guys like – I, I got to tell you, though, let's go down to the, the prospect level. When you want, like, I just watched the bullpen of Graham Ashcraft. And this is a right-handed pitcher, the Reds minor leaguer. Um, wow. I mean, that that one opens your eyes because his fastball is sitting 96 to 98. And it cuts. I'm able to, here in minor league camp, you have a lot of access. So I'm able to stand right behind the catcher, behind the fence, and watch the action of his pitches. And he's got cut on that fastball, late cut that lives at 96 and 98. He's not just a thrower because he's got an electric slider. And then he's got this curveball that's like 12 to one range and he can bury it down uh, to righties and down and away to lefties. So he's got the full arsenal. It's he's been a starting pitcher. A lot of scouts would project him at the back end of a bullpen. We'll see, but he's got more than two pitches in his repertoire. He does, does need to find the strike zone a little more. I think he would, uh, look to be more consistent, cut down all the walks, but that's a guy that you watch his bullpen and you're like, wow. That's impressive. Well, he's a guy that we've been hearing a lot about. Another guy that we, we hear a lot about and we'll hear from in a moment, but uh, Nick Lodolo, I, I, the health was kind of a concern with him at the end of last year, uh, but this is a guy, when you talk about prospects, he's way up there. Where, where you got him at right now? How's he looking? Well, He's very healthy. One, he, he told me that he, he doesn't even feel like he was injured at all last year. And he had a blister problem last year. And he thinks the only thing he can figure out is it was the minor league baseball. The minor league baseballs are different than the major league baseballs. So he was throwing with the minor league ball and he de developed a blister problem. Then he went to throwing bullpens with the major league baseball and it was no problem. He had no problem after that. So I told him, well, maybe this is a good omen. You just belong in the big leagues. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's a tall, left-handed kid, lanky, long. Um, his slide, it's a big sweeping slider that to lefties is going to be really hard to hit. Um, if you probably project him out, you're probably talking about a number three or four starter at the big league level, five to start, obviously. But a left-handed pitcher that has all the makings of a solid big leaguer. He looks really good right now. The other guy that we've been hearing so much about is Ellie De La Cruz. You've had a chance to well, get your eyes on him. What are guys saying about him, too? What are you hearing about him? Let me tell you, everyone, I, everyone I've ever asked about Ellie De La Cruz, who's been around him, their eyes just light up, and they talk about special. Now, this is, a, this is the first time I've laid eyes on him in a uniform, other than video. He's a big kid. You would look at him and think, there's no way that he's a shortstop. He's like 6'6", and lanky right now. But then you watch him field, and then you watch him hit, switch hitting, and he's unbelievable. I mean, he was missing balls. You could tell he wasn't squaring it up, and it's going off the, the batter's eye and over the batter's eye in, in center field. Um, just an incredible specimen. I've even asked people, listen, if, I, if you had to choose one prospect in the system, and I've asked numerous people, including pitchers, which includes the pitchers that are at the top of the food chain, who would you choose? And they all consensus would choose Ellie De La Cruz. 
Wow. Look forward to getting a chance to see him. Speaking of Nick Lodolo, you mentioned him a moment ago. We will hear from him next. Jim had a chance to sit down with him out in Arizona. We'll hear that conversation when the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF continues next on the Reds Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. It's always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds and World Series champion Eric Davis have launched a campaign to encourage youth baseball and softball participation in recreational leagues across greater Cincinnati and Reds country. The Reds and Reds Community Fund will work to connect parents Two local teams in time for the spring and summer baseball and softball leagues. For additional information, visit reds.com slash sign up. Well, Jim Day had a chance to catch up with Nick Lodolo out in Arizona. Nick Lodolo, one of the many prospects and uh, non-roster invitees that is out there right now getting a tune-up before the start of spring training. And here's Jim's conversation now from Goodyear. All right, Nick, appreciate you joining us. Uh, How much of a benefit is it that you – you know, it's not your draft year. You've kind of been through the rigors a little bit, and camp is not completely new to you. How much does that help? Uh, definitely, it helps a lot. Um, just being comfortable around here um, and knowing what your routine is by this point, uh, what you need to do to be ready, I think is a big thing. Um, and like I said, it's not my first one. It's yeah. really, honestly, even in 2020, you got got to go through it twice, really. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was even a benefit, honestly, that, that the way I look at it. So, um, I'd say I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, there's nothing like this year where I'm hesitant or even that I have been in the past, but it's like, all right, it's, it's time. Like I've been around the block now. It's not just like, oh, the new guy in camp. Like I'm ready to show that I'm here and like, I want to help compete and, and be the best I can. So you played big time college baseball, but the transition to pro ball is certainly a different one. What are some of the biggest, uh, part of the learning curve the things that you is anything that surprised you along the way honestly the biggest thing is really just you have to learn what's best for you out in pro ball versus college college you're like you get to do your things on your own but you're still like it like not that you're not a team here but you are Um, but in college everyone does the same thing everyone stretches the same way it's like that's just kind of what you do in college Um, versus here you got you get your own like individualized routine um, that's suited for you, and I think that's a big plus and why I've continued to develop in the way I have. You're probably tired of answering the injury question, but you had some injury concerns at the end of last year. How are you right now? Feel good. Uh, ready to go. Honestly, it feels like I wasn't even injured at all. Uh, feels like I'm rolling into a normal spring, uh, healthy and strong and ready to compete. You had some blister problems last year, which isn't unusual for a guy that throws a lot of uh, you know, hard-breaking balls, etc., um, did you have a problem with the minor league baseballs? Did I read that or hear that somewhere? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the only thing I could think of after it, I threw in, uh, was it at the alternate site all year, uh, with big league balls and humidity and everything and throwing, ripping off sliders and stuff. So the only thing I could think of, the cover of the baseball is definitely different and the seams are higher. Um, 
and I just I was that's the only thing we could think of like that's got to be the reason because um, other than that I mean there's there's yeah. no change I mean the balls are different so maybe it's foreshadowing for you belong in the big leagues what do you think <laughs> hey <laughs> I'd like that'd be nice but uh no it's definitely um it's nice even in AAA to use a big league ball and um I think so I think that's all behind us now so do you feel like you're ready to I mean, I know you're going to compete, and you're in the sentence of guys that are competing for rotation spots, um, but do you feel like you're ready for big league action? Yeah, I definitely. After uh, last year, I feel like I made a, a good jump and uh, just overall and becoming a better pitcher, and I feel like I'm definitely ready to compete mentally, physically. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, ready to go. What's the repertoire for people that don't know? Uh, we got fastball, uh I, I call it a curveball. Most people call it like a slider yeah. or a um, cutter and changeup. Which is your out pitch? Uh, I mean, if you were to go to one, probably like a swing and miss pitch, it would be a curveball. Yeah. What have they told you that you need to work on right now? What are some of the things that uh, on a daily basis you're trying to get better on all facets of the game, but what are some things in particular they want you to work on? Uh, right now, honestly, it's, I'm, I'm working on just getting everything, the feeling back and all that, especially cause I mean, I ended probably about what, two months earlier last year. Yeah. Uh, so just getting back to feeling the slope again. And biggest thing is making sure I feel good, which I do. I feel great. Um, so I would, as I obviously working on something and everything. Um, but I wouldn't say there's one thing like specifically right now, um, that I'm working on. I'm just working on getting back and being ready and ready to compete. Someone told me that you can throw a football right-handed like 50 yards. Do you do, you do everything else right-handed except pitch? Yeah, that's, that is true. Um, <laughs> if you watch me throw a football left-handed, it's not pretty. Really? Now, how did this happen? Why is it just baseball throwing left-handed, but you throw everything else right-handed? It's, I, don't, I honestly can't tell you. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Like, if I were to play dodgeball, like, I'll throw the ball right-handed. Like, so it's like, yeah, the bigger the ball gets, it just moves and like, I just throw it with my right hand. It's kind of it's, it's really weird. But you can't throw a baseball right-handed. I mean, can I, you? I can. Like, I can't, obviously, like, I can't pitch right-handed, but I can play catch to a decent distance. Like, that looks like not like I'm right-handed, but pretty close. Wow. So we're not going to have an ambidextrous pitcher out there going right and left? No, we're not going to have that. No. <laughs> not at all. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard of a, a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher, that can throw a football a mile right-handed and look pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just something that's natural. It's like I've never, like, worked on it. It's just it's just what I've always done. And people are all times like, don't get it. And I, was, I, I got no explanation for it. It's just that's <laughs> what feels comfortable. So, What are your goals? One final question. Do uh, you have any goals this year? Uh, my main goal is be healthy the whole year, um, make it through. And obviously my second goal is to get to the big leagues and, and compete and help team win. That is Reds pitching prospect Nick Lodolo here on the Hot Stove League. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. Jim Day is coming to us live from Goodyear, Arizona. I'm in studio. Yeah. You said it was cold there today, Jim? 
Well, cold for Arizona, right? You know, standards. Not cold for Ohio standards right. in February. Thirty-one yeah, degrees. It was, uh, it was in the forties uh, mo- all morning, raining uh, and windy. And it, uh, if you ever been out here, the forties, the sun's not out. It feels a little cold. Yeah, no, I know low, it does. Low fifties right now. It's oh, raining. Well, you know, I I feel terrible for you. I know it's, it's yep bad. yep. Well, we are it. pleased now to be joined by Reds Hall of Famer George Foster. Of course, he won the MVP in 1977 with his major league leading 52 home runs. Still a Reds record to this day. George, thanks so much for being on with us here on the Reds Hot Stove League. How are you these days, and what are you up to? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm honored to be uh, asked to be on the show. It's great. Uh, we don't know when baseball is going to start, but uh, everybody's getting prepared, like the high school kids getting prepared. But they're just staying busy, uh, working with kids, and Try to help them to get to that next level, reach their dreams. And as before, with my my uh, idea is to teach baseball, help them to learn learn life through baseball. And and that's been a, a good a, a big objective for me. And I just something that I want to see the good example, letting letting not just sitting back and and uh, complain about the the kids are not being developed, but go out there and show them the way to go about doing it. George, I know we've talked about this before, about you working with youth. And, uh, you know, one thing, a goal of baseball, and here we are in uh, Black History Month, uh, is to get more faces of color in the game. And to do that, you just need to see more faces playing. And you're talking about getting these kids to the next level. You are working, like, just hands-on with this group and even have a team of your namesake. Do you not? That's true, I uh, foster force, but a misnomer becomes now it opens up a lot of other players. I mean, it's okay, but when they say uh, players of color, then now you can you can go and you have Latin players or other players other than Jackie Robinson's idea was to have more black players on, on the baseball field, and we're seeing fewer and fewer that are out there, and you look at why, why are they, the limitation? I look at one is the, not having the monies to go to college or having the grades to go to college. And lot, in the past, you see a lot of the black players come from high school, but now majority of the, the baseball players come from college. So it becomes a bit disadvantage for the, for the black player. And that, yeah, they're going to gravitate towards other sports like football, uh, basketball, because usually you're going to gravitate towards what you see some, someone that looks like you. And when I, I started playing baseball. Willie Mays was my idol, and I wanted to be like Willie Mays. But in baseball today, it's down seven, down from 18.7 percent uh, back in eight, 1981 to seven percent right now, and that's a a, a big jump, drop. But it's just finding out how to go about getting more black players into the game today. George, what would be uh, what do you think could help that? Uh, what would make the game more appealing to inner city youth and 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 black youth? Well, baseball is not an easy game to play, and and I know Major League Baseball investing a lot of money into into to doing that. But the thing is, they're going about it not the correct way. Uh, like you have these have these uh, academies in Latin America. And you have academies here, but it's not the same. In in the Latin American country, they they go to school there, they learn base, they develop. You got to be able to develop these kids. And the Hank Aaron program in Arizona, I mean, in Vero Beach is great, but the kids are only there for maybe a week. 
a week is not going to help help you become a a better player. So being able to have a month or two months or a longer period of time to work at it, uh, all these major league cities have tryouts or so, or just a evaluation period, bringing kids in to see what talent that's there. And all summer long, being able to have programs because you have former players in each city, and so they become that that liaison to speaking of. Speaking of Ken Griffey Jr., he's the guy that Major League Baseball has selected to be part to head that program. But thus far, n- nothing has been done that I've seen. But you've got to be able to get the word out, not only the word out, but actually go out there and do it. And and Mike, I know that there are former players who wanted black players who want to do it because I, I know myself or Ken Griffey Sr. There are plenty of them that are out there, but being able to get a program together and utilize some of those millions of dollars that Major League Baseball is investing and finding ways, and that's a me for me is that's a great start. And each major league city having kids come to the ballpark and evaluate what you have, then finding the kids who have promise and just keep working with them all summer long. George, how much joy do you get working with these kids and with these youth teams? Has to bring a tremendous amount of joy to you. Well, a good story is that I was in Vero Beach working with with some of the players. And I kept telling them that it's important to have a bio of each player, former player, so that the kids know who they who they are. So I'm working with this kid, and the kid said, "You know, did you play? Asking me, did I play baseball?" I said, "Yeah, I played. I played a few years." He said, "What's a few years?" I said, "Well, about 18 years." And then he said, uh, "You know, my favorite baseball player is George Foster." And it was funny because I'm standing there, but he didn't know who who I was. But it, it goes to show you that you don't. If you don't go out there and and show them, just like it, oh yeah, when when uh, they were asking before, say you know uh, Jackie Robinson, they're like, I don't know uh, Jackie Robinson, I don't know a Lou Brock, so it's not really talked about as much, so you can't identify with it. So just being able to go out there and work with these kids, see them grow, see them get better, and reach their dreams. I mean, it's like a vicarious um, experience for me. And I love doing it, and I just love the kids uh, developing, put the time and work in it. George, plenty to talk to you about. Uh, I want to have you stick around for another segment, and uh, we'll, I want to ask you a few things about your playing days as well, uh, because Jim and I know who George Foster is, so we've got a lot of questions to ask you still, so stick around. We're visiting with George Foster. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum has opened a new exhibit Los Rojos, a celebration of Latino impact on the Reds in Major League Baseball presented by Dinsmore. Fans can explore the imprint made by the many Latino stars who have etched their names in baseball history with the Reds and other Major League teams. Visit RedsMuseum.org to plan your next visit. The Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF continues next on the Reds Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, continuing on the Reds Hot Stove League. I'm in studio in Cincinnati. Jim Day, 
out in Goodyear, Arizona, and we continue our chat with George Foster. George, are you here in Cincinnati or are you elsewhere right now? No, I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, I think it's warmer here than there, but I'm in Cincinnati <laughs> at the time. Yeah, that's what Jim was trying to convince us of earlier. I'm not sure. Oh, I wasn't trying to convince I was just answering the question, Tommy. That's right. That's right. Uh, you got to believe whatever Jim Day say. That's right. That's the way. You must not know Jim very well. Um, <laughs> talking, just kidding, of course. Um, no, I, I want to I get into uh, this 77 season when you won the MVP. Um, now, your career uh, kind of got off to a slow start. Uh, you came over in a trade uh, from the Giants, and it took you a few years before you became an everyday player. But, boy, when you burst onto the scene, I mean, you burst onto the scene. And uh, that, that 77 season, you hit 52 home runs. Of course, the home run record then was uh, the 62 set by Roger Maris. Was there any point during that season where you thought, you know what, I, I may just have a chance to, to catch that if I get hot here? No, I, I somewhat, um, I guess, handicapped myself in, in 70, 76 because I thought I was in a position to win the Triple Crown. And I'm hearing it a lot from the reporters, so I'm start thinking about it because I was at the time leading or uh, leading in RBIs and and second in home runs and and in the top three or four in on uh, average. So I started thinking more about that. Then then the the my average started to decline. My home runs didn't go up as much, and and I had to hold on to the last couple of games to be able to win the RBI crown. But in '77. I just wanted to go out there and be in, see how how productive I could be uh, day in and day out. I played 159 games that day, so I'm not, I wasn't focusing on numbers. I just want to be out going out there and be consistent. And when it was all over, there are certain things that if, if I've known or read about, I would have maybe strived to get closer to like the uh, total bases. I, I like I think, I think I had 388, and I know it was behind uh, Frank Robinson, but I didn't think much about that at the time. But the only thing that the one thing that I really thought about when I had 49 home runs and with I think 10 games to go, I started thinking about hitting that home run. And Ted Lucy said, "You know, just relax." And it had all happened. So the second time up the bat against Atlanta Braves, Buzz Capra hit a line drive of the left field wall for my 50th home run. I felt great about it because it's something my idol Willie Mays had done. So. And I talked earlier about, you know, here's a guy you idolize and someone that you, you see play and, and you enjoyed his performance. You just want to be able to go out there and follow in his foot, footsteps. You had mad power back then. Uh, I just marveled at you watching. One of the first ones to use that shiny black bat. I used to love that. Now, I've asked you this question before, and I'm going to go to it again because I, I think I know what the answer is, but, and I love the answer. George it's Foster. Funny. It's in, funny. <laughs> George Foster in his prime. How many home runs would you hit at Great American Ballpark? <laughs> how many? I just knowing that uh, at All Star Break, I probably would have had like about fifty home runs. <laughs> that the ballpark, the ball jumps out of that park. It, they, I probably led the league in, in walks. So they wouldn't walk. They wouldn't pitch to me after after the first half. Love it. That is outstanding. Hey, I, I I can't say that you're wrong. That's for sure. Um, but you you told me once that even though you went up there, you hit a bunch of home runs. You weren't necessarily trying to hit home runs. Is is that right? And is that something that you've noticed that's really changed uh, from when you played to to guys that hit home runs now and and the power that's in the game now? 
Uh, that's a good question because if you going up there stride to hit a home run that more times than none, you're not going to be successful at. But the pride I took in that the, the, the stats I had in 77, it had balance. I hit 320, 52 home runs with 149 runs batted in. But today, if you hit 40 home runs and your average is on the 200, you know, you looked up to be, it's glorified. Uh, a walk is glorified. A base on, uh, base on base percentage is glorified. They don't talk about RBIs or runs scored. But I just guys that's going up there swinging, swinging hard, no matter what the count is, and they don't care if they strike out. But in our case, we're we're team players. We knew we knew what you need to do to help the team win and and become a better player. And you find that I I, I got a lot out of them. If I have I was I was a tough hitter when I got two strikes. I took it out to Tony Perez. Tony Perez was very tenacious up up to the plate. So with men in scoring position, you know they're going to score because I'm looking to get that. RBIN, but guys today they're just swinging for the fences, and and the ownership accepts that, and they feel that that's what the fans want. But I just look at a guy's average under 200. You you gotta be at home watching TV. Well, he did hit 375, 300, 306, 320. So uh, you did. It's it's a misnomer to think you just hit for power. You did hit for average, and that was one of the special things about that big red machine team. Right. I just look at the guy who hit the most home runs in a single season uh, in Barry Bonds, but what did he do the other times at bat? So I look at what, what does a guy do the other times at bat uh, in lieu of hitting a home run? And, and I was looking, I hit, you know, drove doubles or singles, just drive, getting hit, hit the drive in that run. And that was the, that's how you win games by RBIs. Um, Georgia, Jim mentioned, that big red machine team, you came over really right at the start of that. Things kind of started to, to fall into place. Did you have any idea when you came over from San Francisco what that team that you just got traded to, the Reds, were capable of at that point? Could you see, kind of see the writing on the wall there? At the time, I was really caught up in being rejected by by the Giants, and I didn't look at the fact that I'm being accepted by the Reds. And with some teams, there's a policy that the – that the some of the veterans players don't talk to the rookies, but when I came to the Reds, you know the, the guy that spoke to me right away was Pete Rose, and and I thought he was talking to somebody else because I wasn't adjusted to a veteran player talking to me, and that's when I felt I had an identity. I felt I belonged. I felt I was part of the family, and just watching the, the work ethics. But when the trade was made to to get Joe Morgan. And that's when it really started to happen. You, you start seeing that things are coming, the puzzle was com, coming together. And people don't really give him, him a lot of credit, but Bob Howden knew what he was doing, how to put a team together. And, and, and coming from Crosley, from grass to AstroTurf, he looked at the fact that we need more speed. And that, that was a great move on his part, but that was the start of that big red machine. And then Griffey, myself, Geronimo came along you know, added to become the big, bad red machine, and the rest is history. And I want to ask you this before we have to let you go. You grew up in Alabama. You talked about being a huge Willie Mays fan, and he was your idol. What was it that drove you and drew you to baseball, uh, being a kid from the Birmingham area? And, I mean, shoot, 
Tuscaloosa is right down the road. Bear Bryant was doing his thing down there, helping lead Alabama to six national titles. So I got to imagine football was probably king in those days uh, in Alabama, much like it is now. So, so why was it baseball for you? I wasn't exposed to football or basketball, any other sport than, than baseball. And, and I just, like I said, I heard the name Willie Mays and knew that he played baseball and, and he had a great history and people just talking about it. I just felt that I was more inclined to play baseball compared to these other sports. I learned these other sports later on, but that was my driving force. He, the inspiration to, to play the game of baseball came from, we didn't have TVs, we had radio, but we didn't have TVs to be able to see the person. But just listen to people talk about him, it, it was painting a picture in itself. And when I got a chance to meet Willie Mays, he's like, I wasn't. I didn't know what to say, but it was great. Willie, make uh, getting a chance meeting him, and and then meeting Willie McCovey and and Marshall, Gaylord Perry, Bobby Bonds, and all those guys. It's like that. That's the place I wanted to be, and and those guys really really took care of me. And and when I uh, came to the Reds, Pete Rose took care of me, and so. It, I was being able to give back to when other players came in, they needed shoes or whatever they needed, being able to be there, be there for them and help them out. But having that idol, like I said, with kids today, having a person that can idolize and strive to aspire to be like that guy, that gives them motivation to work at it. And in my case, they may not know my name, but I want to implement or impart to them the things I know about the game of baseball. But it's uh, like icing on the cake when they say, man, you play – you play Major League Baseball <laughs> alongside Willie May. I mean, uh, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench. I said, yeah. He said, you know, said you're you're on their team. I said, no, that was my team. They were just on there as a cast. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, well, George. With that, we are out of time. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks so much for coming on with us tonight. Well, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Jim Day. What do you say? Hey, hey. <laughs> that is. Say? I love that dude. No doubt. That is George Foster wrapping up the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network.